Thanks for listening to the Cornerstone Chapel Middle School Podcast. Let's head into the service for this week's message. All right, so we are in the book of Daniel, chapter 6. We've been in this book for some time. And today, I've got great news. Today, you are going to find out why on this slide there are ferocious lions. Because today, we are going to learn about Daniel and the lion's den. Believe it or not, believe it or not, you know the story of Daniel and the lion's den? That's the same dude we're talking about for the past few weeks. Mind blown. Yes, the Daniel we've been talking about for the past few weeks is the same Daniel from Daniel and the lion's den. And uh, it's a pretty common story. Most people have heard it before. And uh, I really, really, though, think God can show us the same thing in stories that we've read maybe countless times. God can still show us something incredible in this story. So today, we're going to be reading about Daniel and the lion's den in chapter 6. Before we get started, I need everyone to... This is a pretty important story, so we need kind of to emphasize that. So everyone repeat after me in a deep, manly voice. Daniel and the lion's den. Okay, ladies, you're not even trying. Look, I know you got high voices, okay? But there's more of you. You can sound better than the men. So, just the ladies, okay? We got this. Girl power. Deep voices. Deep voices. Repeat after me. Daniel and the lion's den. No, really, you're not, like, all participating. Like, some of the girls in, like, second or third, last row are like, nah, I'm too cool. I don't need to talk in a deep voice. (laughs) That's not how they talk, really. But come on. Let's try the guys. All right, gentlemen, back me up here. I need some support here. Deep voices. Daniel and the lion's den. Got it. Ladies, you can do that. I have faith. On three. One, two, three. Daniel and the lion's den. All right, we're going to work on it. It's a working pro. I don't know why, Andrew, but the first service is just more like, uh, I don't know. And then there's them. So, all right. Daniel chapter six. So, last few weeks we've been talking about the book of Daniel. And we've been talking about, uh, actually two weeks ago we talked about how the Babylonian Empire fell. Remember Belshazzar with the writing on the wall and the handwriting on the wall? And Daniel predicted, hey, your empire is going to fall because you have not honored God or repented. And sure enough, that happened. And a new empire took over the Babylonian Empire. Does anyone remember? This is tough. What empire took over? Anyone? Yes? The Neo... I'm sorry. Medo-Persians. Correct. Also the Neo-Persians, as I like to call them. The Medo-Persians took over, led by King Darius. So now a new empire has taken over Babylon and is in control of the city and established itself as the power in the Middle East, and it's called the Medo-Persian Empire. And just to summarize the first few verses here, when Darius, King Darius, takes over Babylon in the area, he establishes his government. So he puts officials under him. And he says, all right, I need governors and officials to be under me to rule the empire because I need help. I'm just one guy. And then over those guys, he puts three guys who are in charge of the governors. So he has three governors above them. And then he has one guy above them who's in charge of the three dudes. And then he has himself at the top. And that guy who's the second in command, his vice president, if you will, ends up being... Daniel, your boy's back. Daniel is back. And at this point in the story, it's hard to believe. 
he is 80 years old. 80. That's right, 80 years old. He's been in Babylon for over 60 years now. Still following God, still being faithful. But when we think of like Daniel the Lion's Den, you think of like this young, brave guy, like, I'm not afraid of lions. I could rip them apart with my bare hands. But really, in reality, it's more like, I'm not afraid of lions. I'm old. Oh, asleep. He's an old man. So think this older man in his 80s, really old. So that's who Daniel was at this point in his life. But even though he's old, the king Darius looks at him and sees, man, this guy's got potential. There's something going on here. So he makes him second in command in his empire and promotes him to a high position where he's in charge of a lot because God is with him, because Daniel works hard, because Daniel is talented, because the Lord blesses him. He's able to do great things through him. So by this, now that Daniel has this high position of power, people start getting a little bit jealous. People start envying him a little bit because they see that he's the king's favorite. They see that he's in charge and they just don't like him. They don't like him. They don't like him because he's kind of the teacher's pet, if you will. You guys know that person in class who the teacher just loves like it's their own child? Sometimes it might even be their own child. And they always get every question right. And you kind of just cheer for them to get it wrong. Is that wrong? Maybe it is. There's a kid named Paul Martini. We're good friends. It's okay. We still talk. And uh, Paul Martini was that person. He got every question right. He raised his hand. You're like, well, I'm putting mine down. Paul Martini's going to answer it right now. Yep, he's right every time. <laughs> one time, this is sad but true. Uh, one time, Paul raised his hand to answer a question. And he goes, uh, yes, the answer to what you've asked, the question, is 17. And the teacher goes, Paul, I don't know how to say this, but you're wrong. <laughs> and in a quiet but audible voice, I go, yes. And like three people like, what? <laughs> I'm like, oh, what? Who said that? Yeah, that's weird. Yes, he got it wrong. Yes, Paul got it wrong. Really bad. Don't do that. I'm not telling you that that's godly by any means. It's wrong. It's jealousy. And these men are jealous of, of Daniel, and they're waiting. Man, I wish this dude would make a mistake. we got to get this guy out of here. He's perfect. The king loves him. He leads the empire. we got to get this dude out of power. So they start trying to find things that Daniel had done wrong. They kind of dig for skeletons in his closet. Not actual skeletons, although that'd be something too. But they try and find something that he did wrong. They say, is there a time when Daniel lied and he was dishonest? Is there a time where he was really mean to someone and, and treated someone poorly? Did he ever be dishonest to the king? Or did he not show loyalty to the king, to other people? Did he ever do anything wrong, like murder someone? Or what did he do wrong? They try and find something. And after searching extensively through 60 years of serving the king the king of Babylon, and the king of the Medo-Persian Empire. They got nothing. Zilch, nada, nothing on this dude. They can't find anything he's done wrong. It's like the kid who has the perfect attendance in school, always been there, straight A's on their report card. They can't find one thing wrong with them. Nothing. And they just get even angry. Man, there's nothing wrong with this dude. He's perfect. We can't get anything on this guy. We can't even tattle to the king about anything he's done wrong because he's, like, perfect. It's like the only thing he does wrong is, like, so minor. They can't go to the king and be like, hey, king, uh, Daniel, your boy, you got to fire him. Why should I fire him? Oh, he brushes his teeth for only a minute and 45 seconds. Not the full two minutes that he's supposed to. He's a bad man. Real bad. 
king's like, so? That's not a big deal. There's so minor things that, and yes, I'm not saying that Daniel was a sinless man. He has certainly sinned, but, but in the way that he conducted himself as an official, in the way that he presented himself, he was blameless, and no one could point to something he had done wrong. So, the officials who are jealous of him decide, let's make something up. Let's make something up. Let's just say that he did something and, and try and catch him in a trap. And so they hatch this scheme, and it's downright diabolical. It's downright evil. They had to be doing their evil laugh, evil cackle when they're doing this. You know what I'm talking about, the evil laugh? Like, <laughs> that hurt a little bit. <laughs> I think I pulled something. I'm okay. But they were doing the evil laugh. They're like, oh, my goodness, we're going to get this guy. we got a plan. And they hatched their plan in verse 6. So listen to verse 6 of chapter 6 of Daniel. It says this. So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except for you, O king, shall be thrown into a lion's den. So their evil plan is this. They go to the king, and they smooth talk him. They're like, hey, king, how you doing? Man, is that a new haircut? You lost weight? You look great. Look great. The whole crown thing, it works for you. Listen, we all think you're awesome. All of us agree. You're awesome. Literally, the best thing ever. So what we need is, this is a suggestion for you, O king. For one month, we want to dedicate a month to you, where people will recognize how awesome you are. And whenever someone goes to worship or sing a song of worship or praise, or whenever someone goes to pray, we propose that you make a law that they have to sing and worship or pray to you because you're that awesome. We think you're almost like a god. And you're so good that all the other gods can wait for a month. They don't need any prayer. They don't need any praise. They should just, people should just worship you, how awesome you are. And the king thinks for a minute, it's true, I am pretty awesome. And I do have this great goatee, and my hair is beautiful. So he thinks to himself, yes, this is exactly what i got to do. I've got to have a day or a month where everyone worships me because I'm kind of a big deal. So they go forward with the plan, and they put into law a law. Think about that. A law that says you have to pray or worship the king. You've got to do it. Or you get thrown into a lion's den. You get thrown into a pit full of lions that want to eat you. The choices aren't really plentiful here. Either pray to the king and worship him or die. It's kind of like, hmm, which one do I really want to do right now? Choices are tough, but the reason that they make this plan is one, yes, to suck up to the king a little bit, but two, they know that they've found Daniel's weakness. They found his one weakness. And his weakness, his tender spot, is his love for God. You see, they know Daniel is consistent. And they know Daniel, over the years, has a track record of following God rather than following men. And because they know he's consistent, they go, man, we're going to catch him. We're going to make him make a choice between his God and between his king. And we know he's going to pick his God. And it's going to cost him his life. And we'll be rid of him. That's their plan. 
And the king signs into law, and at their time, at that empire, the Medo-Persian Empire, when you made a law, you could not change it. It was set in stone, and you could not change it. So when the king puts his seal on that law, it has to happen as he said it would happen. So we now come to your boy Daniel in verse 10. How is he going to react? What is he going to do in verse 10 after this law? Order that he's not supposed to pray. Verse 10 says this. When Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upper room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, thanking God, uh, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. So Daniel is told, hey, if you pray, you'll be thrown into a lion's den. What does Daniel do? He prays. Dude doesn't care. The dude literally does not care. Did you say YOLO? Oh, my goodness. The dude does not care, okay? He doesn't. He's like, okay, this king can do whatever he wants. This king can make whatever laws he wants. I'm still going to be me. I'm still going to worship my God. Forget this. I don't care. Although maybe he... You think, though, that he make this big deal about it. You have this idea that he's dramatic. Like he kicks open the king's door. And he goes, oh, king! Actually, he wouldn't sound like that. He'd sound more like... Oh, king, you young whippersnapper, I'm not going to obey your laws. I'm going to pray right here in front of you to God. Just give me a second. I'm going to get down to the floor and I'm going to pray. I'm a hip. I don't know. I don't know what would happen, but he didn't do that. He didn't have to make some big scene about it or go in public. He said, no, I'm just going to continue with my consistent prayer as I always have. And Daniel, who is a very busy man, this dude ran an empire. This dude had important people to meet, important places to be, and an empire to run. And he took time three times a day to say, no, nothing is more important. No person, no meeting, no agenda. Nothing's more important than me praying to God. That's the most important thing. And three times a day, he prayed to God. So, as he usually did, he said, I'm going to go upstairs. I'm going to open my windows. I'm going to look towards Jerusalem, my hometown that I miss so much. I'm going to bow down, and I'm going to pray to the God that I love. And it doesn't matter what law is made. It doesn't matter who tells me what to do. It doesn't matter what the consequences are, whether I die, whether I lose my job, whether people laugh at me. I'm going to get down, and I'm going to pray to my God whom I love, and nothing Nothing can stop me from that. You see, Daniel is consistent. You see, as we get to this story and you hear it developing, you almost know what's coming. Yes, you've heard the story before, but but in looking everything that Daniel's done so far, he's done what? He's worshipped and obeyed God and ignored what men tell him to do. He says, I'm going to honor God, don't care what people think. I'm going to honor God, don't care if I die. I'm going to honor God even though I'm far from home. The choice is already made, and you almost expect him to do this. Imagine how shocked you'd be if Daniel goes, okay, cool, I'll wait a month and then pray to my God. You'd be like, what? What? Daniel? Is there a name change here? Is this a different character? Is he getting kind of old or something? Like a little senile? Like senile? Is that the word? Senile, yeah. Is he getting a little senile here? Is he getting a little crazy? Like maybe like he didn't hear them right when they told him the law. Like maybe it's like, hey, Daniel, you're not supposed to pray to your God anymore. You've got to wait 30 days. What? 
I'm supposed to pray to my God? Oh, okay, I'll go pray. No, no, Daniel, don't pray. You'll be thrown to lions. Yes, we'll have lamb for dinner. Okay, fine. No, he heard him right. He knew the consequences. He knew exactly what he was getting into. But he consistently follows God regardless of the consequences. This is more a story about consistency than it really is about courage. But a man who for 60 years is consistent in his love and admiration for God and in following God. So Daniel makes up his mind. He prays to the Lord. And it's exactly what the jealous politicians wanted. You see, they all crowded around, like watching his window. Like, oh man, we know Daniel every day comes and prays right here. So either he doesn't come here and pray and he doesn't love his God, or he comes to this window and he prays and we got him. We have all these witnesses, we're going to catch him. So they're all kind of waiting outside for him. And all of a sudden the windows open. They're like, he's opening the windows. He's on his knees. He's praying right now. He's got, we got him. They all go there. You know that kind of moment where you're like, ha ha. That's kind of fun to see. Everybody say aha on three and point. It's more fun when you point. One, two, three. Aha! It's, one more time, please. Point, point. The point's important. Ha! Like that. So one, two, three. Aha! And they're like, got you, Daniel. Oh, we got you. You are in trouble, sucker. We go and do the king. So they stroll into the king. And like, hey, yo, king, you know that friend that you really like, Daniel, who's like the perfect person? Yes, I know Daniel. He's quite an amazing man. Yeah, so remember also that law that you made that anyone who prays to anyone but you will be, oh, I don't know, killed by lions? You remember that law? Yes, I remember that law. It could never be changed. I said it could never be changed. You said never changed. Okay, cool. Because Daniel broke your law, and he's going to have to be fed to lions. And in that moment, the king felt sorrow and anguish because he loved Daniel, because he recognized, man, Daniel is a man of God. Daniel is a man who really, really knows what he's doing. And he felt sorry for what he had done. And immediately, all day, it says, he searched for a way to save Daniel. He looked through the records. Is there some law that I'm missing? Is there some way I can get Daniel out of this? But at the end of the day, he has to obey the law. Even the king has to obey his own commands. And at the end of the day, he says, there's nothing else I can do. So it says this, follow along with me in verse 15. Then, I'm sorry, at verse 16. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel, and they threw him into the lion's den. And the king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, continually, I love that word continually, rescue you. And the stone was placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and the ring of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. This is kind of like the point in the story where you're like, bum, 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 like the, oh no, what's going to happen now? So Daniel is taken by the king, even though he doesn't want to. And the king leads him away. And just picture this scene. The vice president of this empire in shackles, being led to the lion's den. The king at his side in anguish and sad because he's like, man, I don't want to give this guy up. He's a good leader. I like him. And Daniel's led as this old man to the lion's den. And the shackles are taken off and, and he's thrown into the lion's den. I don't, I don't know if he was thrown. It just says he, was, he fell in the lion's den and was thrown in. I don't know how far of a fall it was. It must have been tough as an 80-year-old man falling in there like, Oh, my back. Like, I don't know. It must have been a tough fall, but Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. 
And he hits the bottom and they roll a rock over the top and the king puts his ring, a seal on it and says, no one may touch this till morning. And the king walks away. And Daniel watches as the light disappears and as the lions around him begin to snicker and as the people up top who are his political enemies get the last laugh or so they think and watch as their enemy is put to death. Just imagine the hopelessness of that situation. And sometimes as we read the Bible, we, we don't get to necessarily hear the minds of what's going on in these men's hearts or these women's hearts of the stories that we read. But I can guarantee you that yes, while Daniel was a brave man and a godly man, I guarantee you because he was still a human, there was still fear in his heart. Just an ounce of fear in his core and in his heart of death and of the consequences of what he'd done. Maybe even some doubt, but, but guys, his faith was so much stronger than that fear, stronger than that doubt. This dude prayed three times a day. I guarantee you he was praying right here. I guarantee you he's praying right here. You come across a wild lion that's hungry, your prayer life is going to increase pretty quickly, Okay? It doesn't matter if you don't even love God. You're like, oh, hey, God, I haven't talked in a while. There's a lion right here. Can we talk? Like, immediately, just response right there. Well, well, Daniel's in that moment when his life is on the line. And there's nothing that Daniel can do to save himself. Only God can intervene. There's no person. Even the king can't save him at this point. He tried, but even the king cannot save him. Only God can save him. Because Daniel ain't fighting off no lions, Okay? Trying to picture him with a walker. Come on, you pussy cats! I'll take it! It's not going to happen, okay? He's going to lose that fight every time. Every time. These lions are hungry. There's multiple of them. No chance. So Darius leaves after casting Daniel. And he leaves. He goes back to his palace. And he doesn't want any entertainment. As you read the next few verses, he doesn't want any entertainment. He doesn't want to read anything. He, he stays up all night without eating because he's so worried about Daniel. Thinking about Daniel. Realizing it was his mistake. And then morning comes and, and the sun begins to rise. And, and let's read what happens in verse 19. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve again continually been able to rescue you from the lion's? He doesn't say that in a curious voice, like, hey, Daniel, are you alive? I'm kind of wondering if you... He's in an anguished voice. Daniel, Daniel, your ser- the servant of the living God, have you been saved? Has the God that you serve continually, has he saved you? And in a word, he's given the answer from Daniel. Daniel answers, oh, king, at that moment. He's like, oh, my goodness. Either I'm hearing a ghost or Daniel's alive. Oh, king, live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions and they have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. Daniel's like, yo, king, totally okay. It's cool. We ordered pizza, been hanging out down here with the lions. They're actually pretty friendly. I've been riding one around kind of like a horse. It's pretty cool. Totally okay. He says, God sent an angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. Now, I don't know how that went down. I don't know if Daniel could see the angel. I don't know if like an angel came down and is like, bring it on. Well, bah, bah, and just like beat up all the lions. I don't know if he was like, I don't know how it went down, okay? 
But those lions did not touch Daniel. And when he's brought out of the pit, he don't have a scratch on him. He doesn't have a bite mark. It's not like he played dead. Totally okay. The lions didn't touch him. Because <laughs> if he had been playing dead, it would have been awkward when the king called to him. Daniel, are you alive? Yes. Help. 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 I don't know. He couldn't have called out like, okay, I'm alive. Totally okay. Not anymore. And then the lion eats him. Couldn't have done that. That would have been awkward. What if he makes it the whole night alive? And then goes, yeah, king, I'm alive. Ah, and just gets eaten right there. So anticlimactic. Oh, terrible. I thought it was funny. <laughs> I would have laughed. That would have been terrible. Reading the Bible. <laughs> Dude died. Oh, that's terrible. Anyway. <laughs> so Daniel comes out and the king's like, wow, you're alive. And, and in that moment, the king gives an order. He says, all right, well, Daniel, you're alive. Now what we're going to do is something maybe you'll enjoy. Hey, all you conspirers who had this idea to try and kill Daniel, yeah, throw them in. And they throw all of the men who made the plan to try and kill Daniel into the lion's den. And I love this. Before The Bible says before they hit the ground, the lions were already eating them. So the guy's like, ah, lion, ah, like off. Out of the air, it catches them. It's like when you throw a frisbee to your dog and it jumps and catches. Well, like a person and a lion, and it catches the person out of the air. Catches them out of the air and starts eating them right away, and they all die. I know. <laughs> Nobody made it at dawn that way. Incredible. All of them pass away and die. And Daniel is reinstated into his place in his empire. This is a classic story. Everyone... Most people know it even if they're not Christians. They've heard of Daniel and the lion's den. And we sing about it in BBS. It's, it's one of the classics because of, you know, the, the tension. Because of the political backstabbing. Because of the anguish of a king who can't save his servant. And, and the courage of Daniel standing up. And, and it's a very glamorous story. And there's many things that I could talk about with this. As I was... Going through my sermon prep, I'm like, what am I going to talk about? There's so much. You can talk about Daniel's courage. You can talk about the king making a mistake in vanity. There's so many different angles that I can take in looking at this. But, but what I want to talk about today is that word continually. Continually. As the king speaks, he says, Daniel, you serve continually. The God that you serve continually constantly, without wavering or changing. Guys, for 60 years, Daniel had been a man of God. He had stood up. He had been through a lot of life. He had watched his hometown of Jerusalem burn to the ground and people that he loved killed. And then he was dragged across a desert to an empire that he knew nothing about, didn't know the language of. Then he was taught their language, brought up, told to serve the king, almost killed for doing his faith. Watched his friend Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego almost get killed as they were thrown into a fiery furnace and come out alive. Then after that... He has watched a civil war take place where the Babylonian Empire fell. A new one took over the city that he was in. And now he's been promoted to a higher position in that empire. Now, after being promoted in that position to that empire, to that role in the empire, now his life's being threatened. He's been thrown into alliance and he's come out alive. This dude has been through a lot. And a lot of his situation and where he was and the language he spoke has changed. But you know what hasn't changed? His love for God. That's been consistent. It doesn't matter what empire he's in. doesn't matter what cities he's in. doesn't matter how old he is. doesn't matter how much danger there is. He still loves God and he's consistent and he doesn't change in that way. And you see, our lives change in a lot of ways. 
the ways that we talk, the ways that we act, the people we're around, the places that we go. But do we have this consistency that we love God no matter what position we're in, no matter what's going on in our life, we will obey Him no matter what people think, no matter whether we're in a good position, whether our life is on the line. And I think the reason that Daniel was the way that he was, the consistency that he had, came from his relationship with God and from prayer. If you're taking notes, write this down. Consistent prayer makes consistent people. I'll say it again. Consistent prayer makes consistent people. I'm going to say it a third time just to irritate you. Consistent prayer makes consistent people. Daniel, three times a day, said, hey, nothing is more important than God right now. I cannot go a single day without speaking to him because he matters that much to me. Um, I had a, a friend come in town, and um, I, I told Colleen, my fiance, I'm like, hey, I want to hang with my friend Connor. And she's like, okay, that's fine. So we're hanging together, and we had lunch, and we're eating together and hanging out. And uh, I go, hey, man, do you... Um, do you mind if I go to the church real quick? Just stop by the church? And he goes, oh, you got some work to do? Nah, I kind of just want to see Colleen. Oh, do you have something you have to talk to her about? No, nah, I just, I just want to see her and talk to her. And she's, she's kind of pretty. I just want to talk to her. And I had to talk to her. I had been like half the day, hadn't said a word, hadn't sent a text message. I had to talk to her. I just had to. I could not go a day in my life without talking to her. It was driving me crazy. When I went on vacation in Montana, it was terrible. I didn't have cell phone service. I couldn't talk to her. I was a mess. A mess. I was like, ah, cell phone work. Gotta talk to Colleen. It was driving me insane because I had to talk to her because she was so important in my life. Because I cared for her so much. Going a day without talking to her hurt. Can you say the same about God? Can you say, man, I can't go a day without talking to him. Man, if I went an entire day without praying to God and speaking to him, it would hurt me. I would have a different, like my day would be thrown out of order. The way I act would be different. Can you say that? Let me put it this way. If there was a law passed today in America that you could not pray, you were not allowed to pray for a month, would anything in your life change? Because it's not difficult to be told to not do something that you're not already doing. It's like your mom giving you an order that you don't do anyway. Like, you will have to eat your broccoli for a... No, no, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase it. You don't have to eat broccoli for a month. You're like, that's awesome. I don't do that anyway. Oh, yeah? Well, you don't have to do the dishes for a month. Yes! Keep them coming. You don't have to do the trash for a month. Hallelujah. I don't do that anyway. Thank you for not making me do that. It's like, who cares? Like, that's not a real punishment because I don't do that anyway. Well, if you're told not to pray, but you don't do it anyway, what's the big deal? You don't do it anyway, right? And I'll be honest with you. Um, when I was in middle school, I, I didn't have a, a great prayer life. I'd hear a pastor get up on stage and he'd talk about prayer. And I'd be like, oh, that's good. Prayer is important. Christians pray. Cool, pray, yay. It was great, right? But then I get home. And you don't really pray. I mean, you pray for your food because you think God will kill you if you don't. You're like, if I don't pray for this chicken sandwich, I might be smited or get food poisoning. So you're like, i got to pray for it. And we're like really, really, really like superstitious about that. Like God's waiting in heaven like, oh, if Bear forgets to pray, I'm going to hit him with a lightning bolt. Come on. Oh, no, he remembered to pray. Darn it. It's going to really hit him. Oh, this guy. Boom. Like not how it happens. 
We're so religious about that because, I don't know, it's just a consistent thing. And it's not bad to pray for your food. You should give thanks. Say, hey, God, thankful for this food. Thank you. But shouldn't we also thank him for everything else in our life? Like the people around us? Like the life that we have? I mean, yeah, food's great, but is it the only thing that we should pray about? Really? If all you talk to God about is food, you don't have a good relationship. Unless it's like a dude talking to a dude. If you talk about food all the time, it's okay. Bacon, bacon, yeah. That's a good relationship. That's okay. But when you're talking to God, surely you can talk about more to him than just the food that you're eating. Have a real conversation with him. You can be honest. You can be raw. You say, hey, God, I don't like what happened today. It was actually a really terrible day. What are you thinking? What's going on here? It's okay to talk that way. Be respectful. But you can also be raw and real. Hey, God, something happened today, and I just, it was, I don't know what you were doing there. Why did you make that happen? Why did that person make fun of me? Hey, God, why is it that I, I spilled my lunch all over the floor in the cafeteria, and people laughed at me? Why did that happen, other than the fact that I'm clumsy? Why didn't you help me out there? Hey, God, why is it my best friend just betrayed me? Why is it? But when you pray consistently and speak to him with honesty like that, God speaks, and you hear his voice, and you know when he speaks to you. When your parents call, they don't go, hey, it's your mother who birthed you, Julia. That's not how it happens. They go, hey, it's me. And you know their voice, and you go, yes, mother, whom I've heard your voice my entire life and before I was even born because you were talking when I was in your womb. Kind of weird, but true. You know her voice. She doesn't have to explain to you, hey, this is your mother. You know. You know her voice when she starts speaking to you. Well, if you talk to God and you know him in an intimate way, you hear his voice. You can actually hear when he speaks to you and... Speaking to him is important to you. And if you're able to consistently pray to him, you will be able to consistently walk with him. Constant prayer. I'm sorry, consistent prayer leads to consistent people. If you can pray to God and be consistent and be genuine in seeking to know him like Daniel did, then you will be consistent in following him and being able to do what he asks. And it's a difficult thing. But it's a necessary thing. If you want the consistency of Daniel's life, 60 years of ministry, following God, always, always choosing God over people, then you're going to also have to consistency of in the little things, choosing God over other things. Hey, you know what? I could play video games right now, or I could pray to God. I should probably pray God. And in the little things, choose God. So when you have to make a big decision, hey, I have to follow God or be mocked by my friends. You already know the choice because you've made it so many times in the little ways, in choosing God over people, in choosing God over time, in choosing God over little things. Consistent prayer makes consistent people. Let's pray. Father God, we marvel at the story of Daniel and, and his consistency to follow you. Follow you into a lion's den. God, to follow you into a new country and to stand firm in his faith and not forget you, Lord. And we thank you for that example that we have. And now we ask for that consistency. We ask to be able to follow you as you would have us to. And Lord, I ask for consistency in seeking you and in praying to you. Might we value and covet time with you and set aside part in our lives to, to just speak with you, to hear your voice. Might we not go a day 
without speaking to you because you're that important to us. We love you, Lord. Give us the courage, the consistency, the heart that Daniel had. Make us genuine. It's in your name we pray. Amen.